You're listening to What Book Hooked You. I'm Brock Shelley, and thanks for listening. In this episode, I talked to Brandy Colbert, whose debut release, Point, was widely acclaimed when it came out. And just in August, she released her follow-up, Little and Line. And while it's only been out a short time, this book has been getting rave reviews as well. So I was excited to have Brandy join me to talk about her journey to becoming a published author. So listen in. So, Brandy, what book hooked you? Hmm. Okay, so this is like, you probably get this answer with a lot of people that it's hard to choose one. Um, so if I can, I'm going to choose one author. Okay. Um, her name, and you know, I tell people about her all the time, and some people have some passing memory of her books, um, but most people don't really seem to remember like reading her as much as, you know, like our beloved Judy Bloom. Sure. Um, yeah. But her name is Barth DeClements. And I first started reading her middle grade novels. Um, I don't know if they were called middle grade back in the you know 80s. But um, the one that really sticks out to me is Nothing's Fair in Fifth Grade. And then she kind of uh, followed these the same group of kids through sixth grade, you know, junior high um, and then high school. She followed the main one of the main characters from Nothing's Fair in Fifth Grade. And so what were what was it about these books that had such an impact on you. Um, right. Cause I was always a big reader. Um, you know, ever since I feel like pretty much I was in the womb, <laughs> my mom was reading to me and then buying me books that I was reading on my own. And, you know, both my parents really encouraged reading. Um, but that book, I think in particular, I was struck by how honest it was. Um, and how, you know, she really allowed the characters to make mistakes and, wasn't afraid to make her characters unlikable, even though they're, you know, 10 year olds in fifth grade. And so were you reading those books around that same time? Were you in fifth grade when you first kind of got into it? Or when, when were you in life when you were going through these? I was, I always, I feel like I always read books that were like, that had been published like a few years earlier. So they were like a little bit dated, I think. But um, yeah, I definitely like came across those in the Scholastic catalog um, right around that age. And then just sort of followed um, her characters, you know, because she had the YA books too. So I kind of followed once I got old enough and felt like I was ready for those. Then I read those too. So I think it was all like age appropriate for me. And were there other kind of big books or important books that you remember during that time, books that whether it be series or, or singles in particular that really stand out during that childhood since you were reading so much? Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's probably the same answer for anyone who grew up like in the 80s, you know, and then was like a teenager in the 90s like me. But um, the Babysitter's Club was huge for me. Um, I I don't know when I stopped reading it. You know, you, I kind of outgrow it after a while and it's still going and going. Um, I think there are over like sure. probably over 100, 200 books in the series maybe. Um, but yeah, I remember just going out and getting those and just having just – I still have them somewhere, just stacks and stacks of the Babysitter's Club. And so then when you moved into high school because we're around the same age, you know, the 90s was a different landscape for, you know, YA – uh, at that time. So what were you reading kind of when you reached kind of high school age? Right. That's a good question. And again, I feel like with the YA books that I was reading, it was 
you know, if you look at the copyright date, because I would read some things in those books and be like, I don't know what this is, or this sounds really unfamiliar. And it would be because the book had been published in the 70s or like early 80s, and it just didn't age well. Um, so I read a lot of those, just anything I could get from the Scholastic catalog that was like, you know, a series. So I remember like those sort of like, I think I read a lot of uh, teen romance series. Um, you know, there was one called like Sunset Beach or something that I remember just loving. Um, but I also read a lot of romance, like adult romance. I read a lot of Danielle Steele as like a 14 year old. <laughs> and, were, and were you allowed <laughs> to be reading Danielle Steele? I was allowed. Yeah. My parents really like did not censor the consumption of art for me and my brother. Um, I don't know if they trusted us too much, if they were just kind of like, they'll work it out on their own. Um, we were pretty good kids. So I guess they felt like they didn't have anything to worry about. But yeah, I just remember bringing like huge stacks of these, you know, like 300 page novels at the time, you know, probably seemed like a big deal to me as a, as a teenager. Yeah. Just bringing them home. My mom just being like, well, she's reading. And so at what point then was it in high school or was it later that you wanted to start writing some of your own stories? Um, so I actually started writing when I was seven years old, started drawing. Um, I think I was really enamored with my illustration skills, even though they weren't great. Um, and then I would kind of write, you know, dialogue between the characters that I drew. And then I started writing a little bit more at the bottom, you know, of the illustration. And then it was like fewer illustrations, more words. Um, and so I remember that transition very clearly and how much I liked it. And I, that was at home, but I think I was also influenced by the, I went to schools where they had you write a book every year, every grade that you were in, and then like enter it in a you know, like a book fair contest or something mm-hmm. at school. Mm-hmm. So I did that every year since I think first, probably kindergarten, even my mom sent me pictures of some book that I was like, I don't even remember writing that. And she's like, well, you did. Um, but yeah, so every year in school, I wrote a book. And so I, I don't know if that's where I learned that I really enjoyed it. But then I would just kind of sit myself down in front of the TV and just work on my own books from a very young age. And so when you kind of got into high school then and, and looking maybe for a career or towards something was being an author one of those choices that you were considering it was something that I always wanted to do like I would write in the backs of those books when I was younger you know it was like what do you want to do and I was always like my favorite subject is spelling and I want to be an author when I grow up but when I got to high school I guess I've always been just sort of a practical person um, because it just didn't seem like viable. And also, I don't think my parents would have really been pleased to send me to college and have me, you know, study creative writing as like my major, because I think they would have been worried that I wouldn't be able to get a job with that with that degree. So I went I went into journalism, which was like the closest thing I could think of to writing. And so when you were in school for journalism, uh, you know, college, there's things to study. There's a social life. Were you able to still be an active reader in the same way you were in high school and even younger? That's a good question. I don't really feel like I was. I feel like in college I was reading, but I feel like I took a bit of a break and I would take, um, I really tried to take advantage of the English department, the literature department at my school. It wasn't huge or, you know, renowned or anything. I went to a state school in Missouri, which, you know, it's great, but it just wasn't known for probably the sort of topics that I was most interested in. But they did have um, some really great literature classes. And so I remember reading a lot of books that really stuck with me back in college. And 
that was big for me because they were assigned. Um, and you know, before all the books that were assigned were just like the classics that everyone's been reading for, you know, 60, 75 years at that point. And it's just kind of boring. (laughs) And so during college, obviously as a journalism major, you're, you're having to write different things and very kind of more technical writing, uh, is, was that kind of where all your focus was or were you also able to kind of sneak in some of the creative, cre- creating some of your own stories? Yeah, I so right. It was definitely a lot of technical writing, learning how to become a reporter, how to spin that into an interesting story because um, I was focused on print journalism. Um, and yeah, I kind of took a break. I do remember um, when I was yeah, you know, younger, tween and a teen, um, I would write in spiral bound notebooks. And so I have all of those notebooks. And when I look at the ones from college or my early twenties, they were, they were there. I was writing a little bit, but not, you know, nearly as much as I had been before or as much as I did after. So I would say that was like the biggest lapse in my writing, um, was during college and right after. And so at what point then does, do you get kind of pulled back into that and creative writing becomes uh, more of a prominent passion in your life? Right. I, I wish I could remember, you know, I wish I had had the forethought to, to really write down um, what brought me back into it. But I, I don't know. I think I just realized, you know, I was maybe like 26, I think. And I was like, I want to get published by the time I'm 30. I don't know why that was like such a goal. And now knowing how publishing works, it's like hilarious to to think that it could actually happen that fast just because I wanted it to. Um, But I remember thinking like, I want to write for publication. And so I took a creative writing course. Um, I was living in I basically, I moved to LA from Missouri um, right after college, and then I was here for several years, and then I went away. But right before I, um, and then I came back. <laughs> but right before I moved away to Chicago, I took a writing class here in Los Angeles, um, just just sort of kickstart and like really force myself to finish something. And I also had discovered um, NaNoWriMo at that time, and that's the only time I've ever done it. But I did it, and I finished, and I wrote a whole book, you know, in a month. And so, and you're not the first author to to bring up NaNoWriMo. And it always surprises me just how many people, published writers, have been influenced by that. Uh, so, when you kind of started back in, what kind of things were you writing? So, I started with adult, and again, this is one of those things where I really wish that I knew what brought me back into YA. I wish that I knew which YA book I first read, you know, after so many years of not reading YA. Um, but I started an adult novel, and that was the one that I had finished um, for NaNoWriMo. But then, as I was revising it, something just wasn't really working with it, and I didn't know what it was. But at the time, I was still watching a lot of teen oriented shows. Um, I think, like, you know, this was like early aughts, as they call it. So, you know, probably still watching like Dawson's Creek and definitely like Felicity and all that stuff. Um, so I never stopped caring about teenage stories. And I don't know, maybe it came to me at some point when I was watching and was like, why don't you just try to write about these characters if you're so interested in watching them? As you were kind of getting bitten by the creative writing bug, what was your professional life like? Um, yeah, so I was actually, um, fortunate enough to, um, work in journalism. It's funny. I mean, it is journalism, but I've always worked at, um, magazines and not news, like commercial magazines and trades. So it just 
you know, to me, it doesn't quite feel like, you know, the hard hitting investigative journalism, but it is what I went to school for. And it is, you know, a legitimate journalism career. Um, so I was working in magazines, um, you know, um, editorial assistant, uh, moving up to like assistant editor, associate editor. So a little bit of power there, but like not as much as I would like. Um, so I would like write all, you know, write, I was writing a lot for my day job at the time. And then I would come home and, and write at night and on the weekends. And because, when you're working in journalism, you're trying to meet deadlines and, and, and take edits and things like that, did that sort of discipline that you were kind of trained in help you be more self-disciplined in your own writing? You know, that's, this is shocking, but this is the first time I've ever gotten this question. And I think it's such, I've never thought about it, but that's such a good point. I mean, I've, yeah, I've basically lived on deadline, um, since, you know, college, um, and maybe it is. I've always been very disciplined. I work from home now and I have a lot of friends who they can't work from home or they can only do it a couple of days a week. And then they have to get out and go to like a coffee shop or the library or somewhere else to write because they don't have that motivation. Um, I am a bit of a homebody and and I have no problem switching back and forth from like leisure to work when I'm at home. So, yeah, I think it probably has helped quite a bit. You know, it's it's like even if I'm not on deadline, I sort of have that like looming fear of like something's due right now. <laughs> so it kind of reminds me to get back to work. And so as you were getting into your own personal writing, were there any books that you were reading at that time uh, that kind of inspired you or be kind, became sort of mentor texts to your own developing your own sort of style? Yeah, definitely. Um, a book that I mention a lot and that I will probably never stop mentioning is um, a book called Cracked Up to Be by Courtney Summers. Um, and that was her first young adult novel. And I, I, by that time, I had sort of, you know, I was online and I was on Live Journal, which was like the thing back then for YA authors and writers. And um, there was also a forum called The Blue Boards. And so I sort of became familiar with a lot of authors, um, many who are still publishing today. Um, and Courtney was on the, that forum. And I just remember thinking like, wow, she's super cool. And she's so helpful. And she just seems great. So of course, I want to read her book. And I remember pre-ordering it. I think it was like the first book I ever pre-ordered. Um, and then reading it and just reading the first page and just being like knocked out. Like, of course, the prose is incredible. But also just the fact that she was writing about some of the edgiest stuff that I've ever read in a young adult novel. And I, I was just floored. I couldn't believe it that you could get away with that. And when it came to your writing, what was that development like? You had that first book that you, adult book that you wrote uh, during NaNoWriMo that you kind of pushed to the side. Were there other, did you have other attempts that you took the distance and then at the end realized that they weren't anything and now they're in a drawer somewhere? <laughs> yeah, I have a few. Um, so right, that one I wrote as an adult novel, and then I sort of reworked it into a, a YA novel. I mean, quite different plots, but you know, same characters pretty much. Um, I queried for a very long time with that novel, um, ended up with an agent that didn't work out, but it, we weren't signed together very long, just a few months. And then, you know, I just, um, I guess I figured now that I've written one book, and I know I can finish one, I can do it again. Um, so I wrote two, I wrote, well, two more books, um, that, you know, I would query and kind of knew they maybe weren't ready yet, but was still, could 
tell that I was getting better, could see the difference in the responses to my query or the, you know, the rejections to maybe if they requested to read the full. Um, and then after that I wrote point, um, which actually became my first book. So I wrote three novels before point that are drawer novels for sure. And so is there any distinction as far as those drawer novels from point that, uh, you had these other attempts? Was there a light bulb moment or just did did the training and the practice that you got through those uh, first couple novels uh, really kind of help guide you towards your style and the skills that you needed to kind of produce a story for publication? Yeah, it was pretty much exactly that second, um, that second part that you said, um, because I actually, and also in that time I had decided that of course I needed to get an MFA because it was like the fancy thing that everybody did. Um, and you know, I mean, who doesn't want to spend two to three years just reading and writing and working on your craft? That sounds incredible. Um, so I applied to a bunch. I did not get in. I think I applied a couple of cycles to MFA programs and did not get in. Um, I got into one and it was like, clearly I was like on the wait list and, you know, I, I wouldn't have gotten any money and I was like, I'm not doing that. So I just decided because I had read from plenty of people that you can also get a great education by just reading and writing as much as you can. Um, so that's what I did. I tried to read as widely as I could, um, and really sort of developed a love of reading adult fiction, even though I was writing, um, YA. I, I don't know, for some reason, I think that in particular helped my craft. I'm still not sure why, um, so, yeah, I just spent that time um, reading and writing as much as I could. And there was just something that clicked with point. I, I really can't put my finger on it. I revised it. And when I did for myself and when I did that revision, I just knew something about that book was better than I had ever written before. I think it I think my voice finally like clicked in, like turned on with that book. And so people uh, uh, loved point. It got you know, rave reviews, many, you know, best of the year uh, lists. Uh, when you kind of look at that book and thinking of kind of just the publishing process or the time you got an agent with it to the time it got into people's hands, how much did that story change from when you submitted it to an agent till the book was actually released to the public? Um, yeah, it's uh, it changed quite a bit. Um, so... I had, I had sort of an agent who was, had read my third book that I queried and was like, you know, I like your writing, but this is too quiet. So are you working on anything else? And I had set point aside to work on, I always forget this story. I actually had set point aside because there was another book, another YA book that was coming, that had just come out that sounded almost exactly like it. And I was so young and green in publishing that I didn't realize there's like really no original idea. And there's so many books that sound alike and like, you know, your voice is going to make your own book stand out. Um, so I had set point aside. And then when this agent was interested, I was like, Oh, of course. Um, yeah, I have this thing that I've been working on. And so I sent this agent, um, some pages and we talked on the phone and I thought they were really into it. And it seemed like we were on the same page. And so I finished the book. Um, cause I had, um, I think, I, yeah, when I did this, this was prior to the revision that I did. So, um, the full revision. So when I revised it, I sent it to the agent and they were like, totally not into it. <laughs> we were not on the same page and I was upset, but I knew I felt like there was still something there. And so then I just sent out, I got really upset, um, kind of licked my wounds for a little bit. And then I 
decided to query like a handful of agents sort of that scared me um, because I'd just been querying for so long and I'd already had sort of that, um, that agent who didn't work out in the past with the first book. Um, and I queried uh, Tina Wexler, who ended up being my agent. And now she's been my agent for six years now, which is wild. Um, and then I revised for her. It didn't change that much, but you know, she's an editorial agent and she's got a great eye. And so I revised for her and then we sold to Ari Lewin at Putnam. And then that's when the book changed a lot was when Ari and I started working together. And so it comes out and it's, you know, as I mentioned, it's well-received. Uh, were you able to sort of take in and really kind of grasp, uh, that something that you created uh, that obviously because you probably spent so much time with it meant so much to you that other people were able to value it and get joy out of it and appreciate it uh, just as much, if not more, maybe. Yeah. And I mean, thank you for the kind words. It's still kind of strange for me to look back and know how much work and how much time and effort that book took. And then to know that it's just like out on shelves right now and that, you know, um, it's, it's a bit of a polarizing book. I will say if people don't like it, they really sort of hate it. Um, and if people like it, they love it generally. Um, but it, it, I don't know, it just kind of felt, I guess, validating after all that work and all those years and the rejections and, you know, um, the uncertainty after that to have it out. Yeah, it's, it's really great, but it is still something I'm sort of, um, still like, I'll just, you know, take a minute and think, wow, you know, like that book's out there and, and that's my first book and yeah, people connected to it. And I just feel very grateful for everything that's happened. And so that was 2014. And now this year you just had your second book, Little in Line. Uh, before we get mm -hmm. into that book, where did those two books overlap at all? Uh, when did you start writing Little in Line versus, you know, what, where was point in its life? Right. So I believe I always try to think back because my agent was pregnant with her second child. And I believe that was fall 2013 when I started writing Little and Lion. I had maybe had some inklings of I knew I wanted to do a brother and sister book, um, but I believe I started writing it in fall of 2013. And then Point came out in spring 2014. Um, so I was trying to get ahead. You know, everyone says like if you're dealing with um, you know, waiting or, or anything like that, just like start your next project. Um, and so, yeah, I started it then and it actually became a quite difficult novel for me. And was any of the reason why it was difficult was point kind of casting a shadow on little in line and just as the work that you had to do to get that first book published and then any of the accolades that it was receiving, did any of that have any effect on your creative ability or just your confidence in creating a second book? Yeah, I think all of that plays a part in it. Um, you know, especially as a debut author, I mean, gosh, you know, it's hard enough having a book come out. Um, and now that I've had two, I have to say, you know, it's still, you're sort of anxious about a lot of things and how are people going to receive it? And is it going to get reviewed and is it going to get trashed by reviewers? And is my Goodreads rating going to tank to, you know, one star? Like, you just don't know what's going to happen. So there's that. But I will say like with this um, second book having come out, like I can now see the difference in how much harder dealing with that was as a debut because I just didn't know what to expect. I 
was really green. I didn't have like a ton of friends in the industry then. I, I just didn't know much. Um, so I was trying to shut all that out and write, but I think, and yeah, I mean, point I rewrote like twice from scratch and then I feel like sort of, it was like almost a rewrite when I got the line edits. Um, but little and lion was just a hard story for me to pin down. What I had a problem with was realizing what voice meant was like, I didn't realize that the character and their story would, um, you know, be shaped by my voice. I was too worried that I was writing the same book again, basically. And I didn't want anyone to be like, she's a one trick pony. You know, all she can write about is like the same kind of characters or kind of, you know, dark situations. And then, you know, I think my agent sensed that. And again, she's very editorial. So she was like, I feel like you're like holding back or this isn't really you. And I was like, but you know, if I say this or do this, aren't people going to think it's the same book? And she was like, no, <laughs> she explained, you know, how it reads differently to other people. And that's just my voice. That's always going to be there. And so that was, I think that then allowed me to actually, um, write the book that, you know, was the, the bones of, of the little and lion that's out on shelves today. So yes, it came out in August. So just, can you give me a brief synopsis of what the book is about? Sure. Um, so it's about a 16-year-old girl named Suzette, and she was sent away to boarding school um, for her sophomore year because her older brother, Lionel, was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, and her parents just sort of panicked and didn't know what to do and didn't want, you know, I guess either of their lives to sort of suffer more by having to um, kind of go through that together when no one really knew what was going on. And at the top of the book, Suzette comes back um, to Los Angeles, home to Los Angeles. And it's, you know, her first really extended time around her family since her brother's diagnosis. And she is also feeling confused about her sexuality. She had a, a sort of relationship with her roommate at boarding school. And so she comes back feeling confused about her relationship with her family and her relationship that she had with a girl. And then there's another girl that comes into the picture and she and her brother are both interested in her. And so when you first kind of set off on this story, what was that initial idea uh, that kind of sparked uh, your path uh, in writing this? Yeah, it was definitely the brother and sister story, um, because when I look at, well, I try not to look at past versions too much because they're embarrassing. But, um, you know, when I think back to kind of when I was trying to work it out with my agent and really get to the heart of the story, it's always been the brother and sister Um and I think that was just sort of because I have four brothers myself. Um, I have an older brother and we have the same two parents. And then my dad is remarried and he has um, three children with his second wife. And I'm not really close to any of them because we're all quite a bit apart in age. I'm six years, you know, age difference between my older brother. And then there's like 16 and 18 years between my younger brothers and me. So I think I've, I've just always been fascinated by siblings who have close relationships and both my parents have a lot of siblings. Um, so yeah, I think it's just something that was at the back of my mind that I really wanted to write about and kind of see how I could do and, and what kind of relationship I could come up with there. And so when this second book came out, uh, was it how much different was it than when you had your initial release? Uh, was it easier or was it harder because the first time you were so green, you didn't know what was coming this time, you knew what was coming and were worried about those things. Right. Good question. I, I think for me overall, it was a little easier. Um, it was, 
you know, I feel very fortunate that Little and Lion was well reviewed. Um, so that helped. <laughs> I was really terrified because I wrote outside of my experience on, you know, several of the issues in the book. And I, you know, I didn't want to appropriate anything from anyone. And I most of all wanted to get that portrayal right because, you know, um, I never want to be a didactic storyteller. Sure. But at the same time, I think that we do have a responsibility in writing for children um, to see themselves you know, portrayed in a somewhat positive way on the page, even if they're dealing with a lot of issues and problems, which I, my characters tend to. Um, but yeah, it really just felt sort of like joy with Little and Lion coming out. Um, I knew what to expect. I knew that, you know, at least certain groups of people were liking it and I'd sort of gotten that stamp of approval, you know, from several people in the groups that I was writing about, but I'm, I'm not a member of. And so that, that felt good. And it just also kind of felt like finally, like I've got another book out, like, moving along, you know, because it was three years between Point and Little and Lion. And that's a long time, strangely, in, you know, uh, children's literature publishing. What is your sort of basic kind of writing regimen that you've established for yourself? Yeah, it's kind of a mess. (laughs) Like, I'm always like, (laughs) I'm always like, don't ask me for advice. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, but that's sort of my thing now is like my process is no process. I mean, I'm sure there is a little bit, um, but I, so far I still don't outline. Um, I see people using things like Scrivener and it just like stresses me out so much. Like I can't even understand all those moving parts um, or people with like boards and post-its and notes. I, I don't do any of that. Um, I write in order. Um, so I write chronologically. I, I never really write out of order ever. Um, I don't write every day. Um I write at home by myself. Sometimes the TV is on. Um, Sometimes I have my noise-canceling headphones on. I never listen to music. The most I will have is white noise. Um, But the most consistent thing is that I write late at night, like like 10 p.m. It's like a good time for me to start, and then I'll often go to like 2 or 2.30 a.m. And do you find that it's important for you to be reading a lot of books or taking in a lot of different things? Do you read for research or read for inspiration or do you try to read the exact opposite thing of what you're trying to write? Mm. I go through phases, I guess. And I'm also always reading um, because my day job now, I kind of transitioned over from content editing in journalism to copy editing. Um, So I copy edit at a magazine and then also do freelance copy editing for kids books. Um, So I'm always reading. And with those assignments, I have a lot of nonfiction. um, So that kind of helps, you know, it's nonfiction for children, but I mean, at the same time, like no one retains everything from when they were kids. So I'm learning a lot as I'm going along researching and fact checking as I copy edit. Um, so there's that. And then, yeah, I, I read probably a disproportionate amount of contemporary realistic fiction. And that would be both, um, young adult and both adult. And then I also read quite a bit of, um, adult nonfiction, So I would say I'm lacking in the types of fiction that I read because I don't read genre. And I know there's so much good genre out there. And I have those occasional series or books that will grab me that I'm like, oh, that's considered fantasy. Okay. Or like, you know, I really enjoy magical realism. Um, But yeah, other than that, it's pretty much contemporary realistic and then nonfiction. And I kind of go back and forth. Um, Right now I'm kind of reading. I, I don't know. I try to alternate 
I'll read a couple of YA books and then I'll read some adult. And then usually I'm now reading more than one book at once too. I never thought I would be that kind of person, but that's, I guess that's just how it is. <laughs> you get really busy. So when you think of your, the type of reader you were uh, when you were younger and were an adolescent, would that Brandy uh, be the type of reader that w- would have enjoyed Point and Little and Lion? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I feel like everyone says this, but I do, well, two things. I write for myself and I write also for, you know, the kid that I was because there weren't, you know, again, like when I was a kid, I was reading a lot of those books that were from like a couple of decades prior to when I was actually living. Um, but no matter what time period I was reading from, there just weren't a lot of books about black kids out there and particularly black girls. And if there were, they were usually, um, you know, really sort of harrowing stories of, you know, slavery or poverty or, and I think we definitely, we need those books. Um, we need a diverse array of books within every ethnic culture. And so I grew up, um, black middle class and you just didn't see that. I think, um, the, the only story I actually saw myself in as a kid was like Iggy's house by Judy Bloom. And that wasn't even a good portrayal because it was like the black family moves onto the all white street, which is an experience I did have when I was um, seven years old. And then they just, you know, get treated really crappy by the neighbors. And so, you know, it wasn't like a good portrayal, but that was about all I had at the time. And yeah, I think that my younger self would have loved, especially, um, well, would have loved the darkness of Point and the dance. And then um, for Little and Lion, would have loved being exposed to all types of groups and communities that just weren't represented in the town that I was growing up in. That's great. So a few questions here as we kind of wind down. First, what is your favorite movie that's based on a book? Charlotte's Web. Okay. Now, the live action one or or the animated one? Is there a live action one? Was that I recently? I feel like it's been maybe within the t- last 10 years. I'm sure you're right. Um, animated, definitely. Um, it's just so beautiful. And I felt like it really um, sort of, you know, didn't stray from the source material. Material, You still got that, that, that same type of emotional resonance. Sure. So next question then. Is there a book, uh, a classic piece of literature that's widely read uh, that you absolutely could never get into or downright can't stand. Yeah, I actually make a reference to this in my third book that's coming out next year. Um, the Catcher in the Rye. I just I read it older. I didn't. It wasn't assigned in high school, which is surprising because it's right around, along you know the type of, sure. of books they would have had us read. But um, yeah, I, I actually never finished it. I mean, I probably would lose some friends if they listened to this, but. <laughs> I just never got into it. And it seems like the type of book I would love, um, but I just kind of found Holden whiny and annoying, which I said that to someone and they got really offended. So, <laughs> And so then finally, what is the last great book that you've read? Mm. Um, gosh, I've read so many great ones. Um, I will give you two. One, I'm still in the process, but it's like a like a 500 page book. Um, so the one that I just finished, um, that I tweeted about was called, I am not your perfect Mexican daughter by Erica L. Sanchez. And it was just long listed for the national book award for young people's literature. Um, it just, 
I lived in Chicago for four years and that book is set in Chicago and it just really sort of captured the, the life of, uh, the Mexican community in Chicago. And it was, I don't know, it was just a really true coming of age, um, story, but that also I felt like I learned so much culturally reading it, but it didn't feel like a lesson. It was still very entertaining and just so well-written. I, I loved it and I highly recommend it. So I'm also reading, um, stamped from the beginning, uh, by Ibram X. Kendi, and it's a 500-page book on the history of racism, um, which it's my, my bedtime book, and it's not really, <laughs> I don't know, it's not really uplifting. But as a kid who was not interested in history as a child because of the way it was taught and um, sort of the exclusions and the narrative, you know, and who who was telling the history. I find it fascinating to now be able to research whatever I want and to read whatever I want and just to be informed about the history of uh, sort of, you know, some of the turmoil that's happening right now. Sure. Well, Brandy, thanks so much for joining me. Uh, and thanks so much for the stories that you've given us. And we're looking forward to see what else you have for us. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. This was great. And that does it for another episode of What Book Hooked You. Special thanks to Brandy Colbert joining me the book little and lion is out now so i suggest you check it out and and if you haven't had a chance to check out her first book point i recommend you do that as well and if you're new to listen to the podcast i hope you'll check out our library of interviews with other writers i think you enjoy it i'm brock shelley and until next time keep reading <laughs>